Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,271. If you love what you do, you've never worked a day in your life. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from beautiful Miami, Florida, Dr. Stephen Olvey. Stephen, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, I am. All right. Dr. Stephen Olvey has been involved in saving lives and improving safety in motorsports for nearly 50 years. His primary role as medical director for the championship auto racing teams known as CART Racing Series in the U.S., a position he held from 1979 to 2003. Stephen remains active in motorsports as a member of the Federation Internationale del Automobile, my French is terrible, I apologize for that, Medical Commission, a consultant to the IndyCar Series and Motorsports Director of University of Miami Concussion Program. He's the Associate Professor of Clinical Neurology and Neurosurgery at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. He has republished his memoir book, Rapid Response, My Inside Story as a Motor Racing Lifesaver, with the foreword by Alex Zanardi. We're going to talk about that and also about a little movie thing going on here. So, Stephen, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and your passion for motorsports and for helping other people? Well, I grew up in Indianapolis, and as a result of that, I became a race fan at a very young age. And I went, uh, when I was a resident in medical school, I went out to the union building, and there was a card on the bulletin board that said, anybody that uh, wants to work at the racetrack could sign up. And so I did, and I ended up in the infield taking care of people with too much sunburn and too much alcohol, and (laughs) uh, that that was my beginning. But one thing led to another, and I was very interested, and I finally ended up on the racetrack and then eventually became medical director of USAC when they started a program uh, that went to all of the races. And back in that period, one out of seven drivers died every year in the major forms of auto racing. That included NASCAR, Formula One, and IndyCar. And so I thought that was pretty horrible. And when I associated with Dr. Terry Trammell uh, in the early 80s, we decided to do something about that. And we really looked at cause and effect, and we started a program that still exists today to try to make things a lot better. And I think everybody knows, uh, not just because of us, but a whole lot of other people became involved, but uh, racing is quite a bit safer than it used to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Those uh, so-called good old days when it came to accidents were far from being good or even near good. It seemed like people were being severely injured and killed all the time. So, so many innovative things have come along and not only what you guys did, but uh, also the Hans device, which I understand the, the inventor and founder of that we just recently lost him. But I would like to learn a lot more about how you've helped people as we move through your journey. But first, I'm going to ask you for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Stephen, take the wheel. 
Okay, I'm not really sure who uh, made this quote, but it's, if you love what you do, you've never worked a day in your life. And <laughs> yeah. I really like that because the efforts that I've put into motorsport safety, I never considered it work at all. It was a mission. I think we were, uh, Dr. Trammell and I were both uh, very successful at it. I have no uh, hard feelings about the whole situation. You know, I think it's great. And you know who I think coined that original quote was Henry Ford. Now, some people may debate me on that, but I've heard that quote many, many times, and I've heard his name applied to that quote. But I would imagine being a physician, I mean, you've made a lifelong passion and pact to be learning, to help people. I have a lot of friends who are doctors. A shout out to my my buddy, Bill Morris, who's a uh, neurosurgeon like you. Uh, would, would you say that combining your passion for medicine and racing, I mean, has been the best of both worlds for you? Uh, yeah, I want to say one thing. I'm not a neurosurgeon. I'm a neurocritical care doctor. So ah, okay. I work okay. with neurosurgeons quite often. But uh, yes, that uh, the two went together and uh, that worked out quite well. Yeah, well, it's fantastic what you've done. Uh, no doubt you've made an impact on so many people's lives over the years. And that's got to give you a very warm feeling. I mean, I mentioned in the beginning here, you've been doing this for nearly 50 years. That's a long time. It sure is. <laughs> uh, I really uh, started, the year I started at the racetrack was in 1966. It's that uh, that long ago. So, But it seems like it went by quite rapidly, to be honest. And yeah. when I think about Back 1966, I can't really believe it. I have to look at pictures and that kind of thing. The uh, first patient I took care of, believe it or not, was Graham Hill. The first year he raced at uh, Indianapolis, and uh, oh my gosh, that's wow. quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Time does fly, and it seems to fly faster the older we get. I've got that same feeling myself here. It's a little frightening some days. You just go, "Where is my life going?" Well, I would like to go back in time into your life here and have you share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. You talked about taking that card off the wall and going helping at the racetrack as a young young person, just getting into your medical profession. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realized that you were indeed a lifelong car guy? Uh, this is pretty humorous. I went. I was only 15, and I couldn't wait to get my driver's license at 16. And I went with my mother to the grocery store. So she went inside to look for groceries. And I was out in the car. So I thought, oh, this is an opportunity to start this thing up. And uh -oh. we had a 57 Chevy with a big engine because my dad liked cars. You know, I got it going and I had it in neutral. And I slowly, just because I love the noise, I slowly pushed the accelerator pedal, the throttle, to the floor and blew the engine up. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. And uh, uh -oh. <laughs> that, did not, that did not go over well at all. But I thought that was one of the coolest things I'd ever done. <laughs> that's, that's a fact. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, not a very good start here. So so did your folks let you get your, your license when you turned 16 after that? Uh, yes, they did. Oh, nice folks. Well, you know, we all make mistakes. But, uh, oh, my gosh, that's a that's a big one for sure. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's take a look at some other challenges and maybe a failure or two that you faced along the way in your career. I like this question, not so much because you got to relive a time that might have been challenging. It's more about what it taught you and what you learned. And you know, I always tease my uh, friends who are physicians about how they're always, quote unquote, practicing medicine. 
uh, because it's an ongoing thing. There's always things moving, always things changing. But let's talk about one of those times that kind of pushed you up against the wall and uh, challenged you a bit, would you? Well, this is a little off uh, course, but my wife and I decided, uh, because we, our kids lived in Georgia, that it would be really neat to build a house in North Georgia Mountains so we'd have a place to go in the summer and later in life and uh, then you know live in Miami in the winter. We uh, bought a lot on a water ski lake, which I've done for years, in North Georgia Mountains and decided that we'd build a home. And uh, we hooked up with a bank up there and a builder that seemed like a really good guy. And to make a long story shorter, we got ripped off by the bank and the builder, who turned out were in a partnership really to mess people up from Florida because we couldn't be there every day while the house was uh, being built. And they had this scam going, and it wasn't just my wife and I. There were several people involved. We ended up having to go into foreclosure. There wasn't any way around it. The house originally was supposed to be $320,000, and it ended up costing over $720,000. Oh, my gosh. And there wasn't really much we could do about it at all. And we had to go through that, and it took out about half of my retirement fund from the University of Miami uh, to get through it. But interestingly enough, things turned out badly for those who uh, did what they did to us. And the uh, owner or the uh, president of the bank ended up killing himself. The chief finance, they got taken over by the FDIC. And uh, the chief financial officer is still in jail. The builder went to another state, tried to do the same thing, declared bankruptcy, came back to Georgia, and he was caught. And he's now in jail. And the vice president that was our loan officer, uh, she ended up getting fired and and, uh, did not have a very pleasant time after that. But, you know, they all got in trouble, but we were the ones left holding the bag, so to speak, and it cost us a lot of money. And I, the what we learned from that is don't trust a pretty face. Don't trust a guy that seems like a really good guy. Uh, really look into things and find out about uh, what you're getting into because we really got into a bad situation. Oh, that's horrible. I, oh, I, I can't even imagine well, and that was going to be my next question is, is if you could go back to the beginning and do it again and be able to spot where the potential pitfalls were coming from, um, what were the things or what are the things you might suggest to somebody who might be doing something similar? Because a lot of folks like us, I mean, baby boomers, and we're getting to a point in our lives where, you know, we might be retiring, might want to build something elsewhere, move to that place. And yeah, I mean, you want to trust people, but this is a horrible story. So going back again, what are some things you advise people other than not trusting a pretty face and a guy who says he's going to do that might have warned you to what was coming? Well, that's basically it. Uh, What he did was build houses for people in Georgia, and he did a good job, and they liked him. So we only talked to a couple people. They said, oh, yeah, he's a good guy. He builds great houses. But what he had figured out was he could really do it to people from Florida because they couldn't be up there often enough. Mm. And he made an arrangement. In fact, he and the uh, vice president of the bank, the female, they were having an affair, but that's a whole nother story. Oh, my gosh. And so it gets better. So yeah. you, really, you really have to be suspicious. You have to get, uh, you can't take people as they appear. 
you have to get somebody that knows the area, knows who's doing what, and uh, safeguard yourself in any way you can because it turns out we found out this uh, happens quite often, and especially in uh, the areas of Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, North and South Carolina. Wow. Oh, that's horrible. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I can't even imagine what a nightmare that must have been for you. So, yes, it was. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's move on to something a little more fun yeah. here and talk about your first really special car that you had in your life and maybe share a memory or two about that vehicle that are more on the positive side, other than blowing up engines, maybe. <laughs> well, when I looked at uh, this question, it said car, bike, or truck. And yeah. so what I, uh, the most fun I've had, I think, and the most exciting was I love motorcycles, and I finally got a Ducati 748, and Ooh. to me, that was just the the best of the best. And so I, I signed up to go to a test day, an open test, at Moroso Speedway in uh, near Fort Lauderdale. My wife and my son were the pit crew, and I had the full uh, leather suit. I had a you know really good helmet. I had all the stuff. We didn't know anything much what we were doing, but it was a fabulous motorcycle and strictly stock. Believe it or not, nobody's going to believe this that's listening to it, but uh, we had three 20-minute sessions. Mm-hmm. And in the second session, I got within a half a second of the track record for stock Ducati 748. Wow. And so that uh, made me feel really good. And then in the third session, a uh, guy riding in front of me uh, went off the track, had a, a horrible crash, and I was getting tired. And I came in. My wife said, "You got you got ten more minutes." And I said, "No, no." I said, "It's over. I'm gonna kill yeah. myself." And yeah. so I was happy with the result, and and that was it. And that was the end of my motorcycle racing career. <laughs> well, 748 Duck. I mean, the Ducatis are awesome. I had a 750 Monster, but I also had an MV Agusta F4. It was a little more akin to your 748, but first and foremost, Stephen, I'm shocked that a guy who's into neurology would even get on a motorcycle. My friends that that work in that field of medicine, just every when I got my bikes, they all said, "Don't ride a bike. You're you're crazy. I don't want you on my operating table." Um, but uh, I I think a track, a racetrack, and I've I've done some riding on racetracks on bikes is a much much safer place than the streets these days. That's for sure. Because uh, the streets have just become crazy with people oh, who are yeah. inattentive. I, yeah. I would only I would only go out on the street on Sundays, basically, yeah. and I'd go into the Everglades where it was pretty reasonable. But my love for motorcycles came from being invited to Wally Dallenbach's Colorado 500 oh. with a lot of uh, famous motorcycle racers as well as a lot of uh, race car drivers yeah. and Al Unser uh, Senior. And Pancho Carter taught me how to ride a dirt bike, and I ended up <laughs> wow. going there for uh, 10 years, and that's when I really fell in love with motorcycles. Yeah, they are fun. <laughs> they are fun indeed. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned and let go that you really wish you had back? Uh, that has to be my 355 Ferrari F1. Um, oh. It went out of warranty, and I got I couldn't sleep at night because I was thinking, well, what if the paddle shifters go what if the air conditioning goes you know it's going to be several thousand dollars and i sold it to one of our surgery fellows believe it or not Mm -hmm. and after i sold it i laid awake at night thinking i shouldn't have sold that (laughs) i should should have kept it so 
because uh, it's the favorite car, uh, my favorite car that I've ever had. And yeah. I just, you know, I really liked it, but I was too worried about it. Now, you know, I have a lot of friends that have saved and worked very hard in their careers to be able to afford their first Ferrari. And this is the way the story always goes. Exactly <laughs> yours. They're too afraid to drive it because they're afraid something's going to happen to it. They don't take it to work because they're afraid their employees all think that they're skimming all the money out of the business and putting it all towards their car. They won't take it out at night and leave it parked anywhere because somebody might hurt it. So it ends up basically in the garage. And after about a year and a year of depreciation, if they bought the car new, they kind of go, I think I need to get rid of this. Kind of like dating a supermodel, if you will. But then as soon as they get rid of it, they want it back again. It's just the same cycle, uh, the Ferrari cycle. Yeah, that's interesting that that's, you've known about that often because I thought maybe I was the only guy. But uh, Oh, no, you're not the yeah. only guy. No, there's, exactly. a, there's a whole club. We could put a whole club together of you guys. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I never drove it to work. I was afraid somebody ding it in the parking yep. lot, you know, and oh, I yeah. ended up driving only on uh, Saturdays and Sundays, and uh, it yeah. got kind of ridiculous. Yep, that's the way it goes. It's, I've heard it over and over. Well, at least you got to experience that, and that's what's great. Well, let's talk about this book. Uh, Rapid Response, it's a fascinating book about your life and about saving lives and helping people and improving safety on racetracks. The fact that you've brought it back now and uh, freshened it up, if you will, I'd love for you to talk about this. And also, as I mentioned in your intro, there's uh, maybe a movie involved here. So tell us what our readers could experience when they grab your book, Rapid Response. Well, that's exactly right. What happened is one of the uh, directors that works for Universal Studios uh, read my book, and this was several years ago, actually, and really enjoyed it and got the idea that maybe one day they might do a movie about it. And originally, they were going to try to have actors and make a regular movie and tell the story and that kind of thing. And then they decided that the best story was how uh, we went from knocking off one out of seven drivers a year to where it is now, how uh, the story of Dr. Trammell and I doing the research that we did and dealing with the people that we did and uh, really looking at what caused the injuries and the fatalities that uh, were going on. And that's the story in the book. Well, they've made a movie with the same title, Rapid Response. That's a documentary, and the premiere is going to be the Thursday night before the Indy 500. And it's going to go in selected uh, theaters, you know, all over the place. Uh, we've seen, my wife and I and some other people, uh, Dr. Trammell and his wife and so on, saw a uh, early screening of it, and we think it's really, you know, really good. Well, as a result of that, the publisher of my original book, which was back in 2006, decided that they wanted to republish another edition, and they wanted me to write another chapter to bring kind of everybody up to date of the 11 years that uh, had gone on, you know, since that time. And a lot of things have happened, but it's just continuing the same story, which is uh, uh, basically our story. and. Uh, we brought it up to the uh, present time. So I think it, my feeling is it's a very interesting chapter and it will open uh, a lot of eyes if uh, people do buy the book to read it. And people that never had the book, I think uh, to hear the whole story about how it happened, and it doesn't only tell the scientific stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of 
other stuff, it's probably not uh, good to talk over on the phone, is in the book. And so that's the project that I'm most interested in at this time. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Now, let, let me have you touch on, I know the complexity of improving safety in racing is just that. It's very intricate, very complicated. There's so many moving parts to this, and much like a race car. But if you could single out maybe one or two things that made significant improvements in safety for drivers in racing, what would they be? Well, the biggest one uh, recently, or sort of recently, is the Hans device. And that was invented by uh, Dr. Bob Hubbard, PhD, uh, his brother-in-law, who thought of the idea. He was an engineer, and they put it together. And the original Hans device was a big, bulky thing that only a very few people used, mostly in sports car racing. But like I said, it was very few. And after Ayrton Senna was killed, the FIA was looking at whatever they could to eliminate basilar skull fracture and injuries like that. They even looked at airbags and so on. And it happened that uh, this work was being done in Europe at a place where a guy just happened to have a Hans device. And so while they were looking at all kinds of other things, he put the Hans device on uh, the dummy and the loads that were uh, experienced by the neck were decreased 40 to 60% uh, with the Hans. And so they really uh, got to work and it was... uh, Daimler-Benz that actually uh, did this, they got the Hans to where it was much smaller. You know, the thing that always amazes me and people when they look at a Hans device, it looks like a simple thing. But the amount of work and that went into it to get it to where it is today, they got it so it would fit in all kinds of racing cars. And it's held in place by the shoulder belts uh, that you have and since the Hans device has been made mandatory in all major forms of motorsports, there has not been one single fatality from a basilar skull fracture. And that's what killed Dale Earnhardt. It's what killed two people in IndyCar. It killed five other people in NASCAR. It's been a tremendous lifesaver uh, advantage. Yeah, yeah. A tremendous lifesaver. No, no question about it. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. I had another uh, physician on the show a while back, Dr. Stephen Moran. Do you know who he is? Uh, no, I don't. The name sounds familiar, but I don't know him, actually. He's um, a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, and he is a, a gentleman who worked on in the field, of, or he still does, head injuries in auto collisions. And you mentioned Mercedes-Benz. He worked with Mercedes-Benz in working on how to improve accident situations and it had to do with uh, coming up with three-point seat belts and helping people. Now, this is more in just regular cars, people driving around, but they were seeing these trends over and over of what were killing people in car accidents and trying to say, well, look, let's figure out a way to stop that specific thing from happening, just like basilar injuries like you were talking about. So uh, most definitely, I remember in the last few years that I was racing vintage cars, our group up here, the Sovereign Group, was starting to recommend, and I bought a Hans device. I always just felt a little bit safer in the car with that thing on. Um, it was always a little goofy and awkward, you know, and you'd, you'd look at it and go, how could this help? I, I don't quite understand, but when you start to study it and you look at uh, videos of how it keeps your head from extending, uh, it's an amazing device. And it is so it seems so simple in its design. 
No, but it was brilliant. And if you you know you think back, there's a lot of things in medicine uh, through the years in a lot of different areas that turn out to be very simple looking, but it took a long time to discover. Yeah, and absolutely. You were the first uh, when I was medical director of CART. Uh, made it mandatory in 2002, and we were the first motorsports racing group that did that. And the next year, Formula One did, and it wasn't until after Dale Earnhardt was killed that uh, NASCAR uh, made it uh, mandatory. Now it's, well. everybody makes it mandatory. Right, yeah. Oh, it's absolutely fascinating. Well, again, the book is Rapid Response. I'll put links to where you can get your hands on a copy of this book. And, of course, uh, we'll let you know through my social media when the uh, film has come out so you can watch this. Absolutely fantastic. And kudos to you and your team and all the people you've worked with to make things safer for race car drivers. It's absolutely spectacular. Well, Stephen, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars yeah TV show? That's right. Cars yeah is now on MAV-TV. I visit some of the past Cars yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MAVTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars yeah TV. MAV-TV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Stephen, we are back, and I have a very introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle parked in the garage, what would Stephen be and why? Well, this is kind of goofy. I liked a lot of different sports, and I like too many sports. So I never became really, really good in any sport because I tried a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. You can't be a jack-of-all-trades. And if I was going to put it out that be a car, it would probably have to be a, a Jeep after World War II. It did a lot of things well, but it didn't do anything super well. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of the way I've been. I've, I have I run in the middle of the pack. I've competed in water ski tournaments and sailboat races. It went 
quite a few sailboat races, but not any big ones. And in water skiing, I was kind of in the middle of the pack, but I tried to do uh, too many things. Well, you know what? You've had a pretty darn full life, though, so you've got to experience a lot of cool things. So we'll leave it at that. But I like the, the analogy of you being a Jeep. Can go anywhere, can kind of do everything. Maybe isn't the flashiest car in the block, but uh, it can get the job done. So I like the way you thought that went through. Nicely done. Well, we are entering the last lap. The white flag's out. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, it's to check everything for yourself. Don't listen to the sales. Well, you got to listen to the salesman, but you want to make sure what you're really getting into and whether the salesman is really telling you the things you need to know about the car. So it really pays off to take the time and the effort to find out everything uh, you want to know. Otherwise, you'll end up being unhappy. Uh, You know, uh, tales of a uh, a guy I once knew that talked about this horrible story about a house being built in the foothills (laughs) comes to, to light when you when you offer that advice. So I think that's very, very good advice. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? Well, I, I can't stand failure, and I'll work hours on end uh, to keep that from happening. And you're always going to have failures, but it really devastates me if I think it didn't turn out right. And so I think that's the, the main one. There you go. Hard work and diligence, persistence, tenacity. That all works very well. How about a resource? There are so many great resources these days. Is there one in particular you'd like to share? The main thing is to listen to everybody. Don't Because somebody kind of looks like a dork or somebody's a fashion model and you think, what does she know about anything important? And I've learned through the years, you can't believe how many people that you never expected would come up with some knowledge that was extremely helpful worked out a problem you were trying to deal with, whether it was personal or something like that. So you can't blow people off. You have to give everybody time to express themselves. And I I learned this taking care of patients, of course, uh, but express themselves and so on. And you'll be amazed at how much you learn uh, by doing that. Absolutely. Never judge a book by its cover. How about uh, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive or racing industry or field, living or deceased? Who would that be? Enzo Ferrari. Ah, yeah. That'd be a cool one. The reason is, uh, to me, I think, uh, well, I'm a Ferrari lover, but how he had the passion and the dream and the ability to develop a car that, to this very day, the majority of people, whether they're into racing, into cars or whatever, consider the Ferrari as the cream de la cream of automobiles. And it's the only make that many people. All you got to do is watch a Formula One race on television and see all the Ferrari flags and all the Ferrari hats <laughs> and shirts yeah. and whatever. I mean, it's just he had that vision. And I think it's fantastic. And I think it'd be great to be able to sit down and talk with it. Yeah, that'd be something for sure. Now, how about a book? Other than your book, and again, it's Rapid (laughs) Response, My Inside Story as a Motor Racing Lifesaver. Is there another book you might want to recommend to our listeners? Well, I think one of the best, my favorite author is Ernest Hemingway, and I think The Old Man in the Sea is a a sleeper, and it's a book that uh, I think people uh, need. It's, It's a guy up against the mountain 
And uh, the lessons you can learn by reading that, I think, are terrific. And if uh, you want a short verse type of thing, I, I, I think it's Not the Man in the Arena by Teddy Roosevelt. I think that's a, oh, a yeah. fantastic piece that everybody can uh, learn from and uh, improve. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. But, you know, what can you go wrong? You can never go wrong with Ernest Hemingway. And I always love the way Ernest Hemingway wrote. He could put things together so succinctly and clearly without any extra words and still get the message across. I, whenever I try to sit down and write something, I always ask myself, how would Hemingway write this? And I actually found an app that is a Write Like Hemingway app, and you can put your sentence in there, and it basically makes it like Hemingway would write it. It's hilarious. It actually kind of works. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, those are great books you've recommended. I'll make sure I put links to those on Stephen's show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in Stephen Olvey, O-L-V-Y, is the spelling of his last name, and these books will be listed there with quick, easy links to buy. All right, Stephen, we're up to the checkered flag. This is something you've seen many times in your life, the checkered flag waving. I'm sure many times you were relieved when the cars passed that finish line and nobody had been in an accident. This question, though, can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. And if you want a motorcycle, I'll buy that for you too. But there's a couple rules to this game. You have to drive it. No garage queens here. I I can't sell it to to raise a lot of money or buy a lot of other toys with. That little trick's off the table. So if you pick a Ferrari GTO, you're stuck with a Ferrari GTO. Not that that would be bad. And it's the only collector car you can have in your garage. So you need to choose very wisely, my friend. Uh, It would be a Ferrari Testarossa. Really? Okay. What do you like about the Testarossa? There's only three or four left, so they're going to be hard to come by. Oh, now, wait a minute. Let's talk about which one you're talking about. Are you talking about the one from the 50s? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Okay. You just raised the bar on me. You just wiped out my whole bank account uh, in one fell swoop. You know, actually, there are more than three of those. And on the lawn at Pebble Beach, uh, last year before last, they had all the TR250s out there on the lawn. Some of them were the beautiful pontoon fendered versions of that car. I think there was about, oh, I, I dare say maybe 15 cars, maybe 16 really? of those cars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to send you some pictures I took of that event. And yeah, I thought you... there were only four left. Maybe that was a particular model. It may you have been. Know, you would know a lot better than I do. It may have been, but I'm going to send you some pictures so you can pick the right one so I can go to the right guy and and get that car for you. But, uh, yeah, those cars are quite special. I mean, they're just, uh, yeah, Scaglietti designed some of those vehicles, um, beautiful, beautiful cars. Now, am I correct to assume that you would like yours in Oroso Red? Absolutely. Yeah, I kind of thought so. Well, you look pretty good driving around Miami in one of these things, so uh, I'll see what I can do for you. Uh, it may take me a little while, so don't hold your breath, but uh, I'll get to work on that right away. I'm looking at my bookcase here. I have a model of one in my bookcase uh, by a company called CMC. They make some beautiful models. I look at that thing all the time thinking, man, wouldn't it be nice to have one of those? They're just so, so special. So, All right, Stephen, well, you have taken us on a great and very safe ride today. I appreciate that. We didn't hit any guardrails, so we didn't need any of your services I really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your amazing and so important journey. All the lives you've impacted and uh, helped throughout the years is absolutely spectacular. Could you maybe offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into that Florida sunset in your very own Ferrari Testarossa? 
I don't know. I think uh, don't put off today what you might be able to do. Don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. I, I think yeah. I, I think that's a mistake too many people make. And, you know, you can save for a rainy day, but what if the rainy day never comes? It's it does it's never made sense to me to do that. I think you have to live life, uh, get the most out of it and I, I, I think that's probably the most important thing I can say. You know, it's it's really important and, and as we get older and I'll t- I'll speak only for myself here, not for you, Doc. Is uh, you start to realize how valuable every day is, and that time is the mortal enemy of us all because it is relentless; it does not stop. And as I have friends who are going through tough situations, I'll a shout out to Keith Martin of Sports Car Market Magazine. He's he's coming back from a serious stroke. Um, I got an email from him today that he's doing quite well, and he's able to go back home finally after about seven or eight weeks in rehab. That you just don't know what every day might bring. So you know what, listeners, get out there, enjoy life, do something you've been thinking about. Just do it. Start doing it now. I don't care what it is because don't wait because again, that day may not come. So take the advice of your doctor here, Dr. Stephen Olvey. And what's the best way for our listeners to get their hands on a copy of Rapid Response, this book of yours? Well, it's going to come out uh, the end of April, April 30th, I believe. And, of course, it'll be uh, on different websites. I'm sure Amazon will have it and so on. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, and there'll be some stuff coming from the publisher to announce it. But I don't really know. uh, I probably should, but I don't uh, know how they're going to promote uh, the book. But uh, I'm sure they'll do a good job with it. They did with the original version. So just keep an eye out uh, out for it. Well, I'll tell you what I do for you, Stephen. Our good friend Judy Stropus, who connected me with you, she's a past guest here. I'll bet she knows how we can get our hands on that. So I'll ask sure. her. I'll make sure that I promote that on your show notes page on the Cars Day website and on my social media. I can't wait to get my hands on a copy. And listeners, just go to CarsYow.com. Follow along with me in social media. I'll make sure that you know how you get your hands on this book. It's absolutely fantastic read. I think you're going to enjoy it. Hey, Stephen, thanks for calling in today. Thanks for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Well, thank you. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!